Startup Show, Benjamin Law and Ray Johnson. Startup show. I'm the highly ethical Benjamin Law, and alongside me is the just plain good Ray Johnston. I think you just called me plain, but I'll overlook that as this episode we are talking goody tech. Goody, goody, yum, yum. So, how do you build an ethical startup that solves humanity's problems and is both environmentally and financially sustainable? And is tech really the answer to our world's problems? Should we be re-engineering our stomachs to digest plastic and tweaking our taste buds to love polystyrene or simply stop producing crap? And if we do end up eating plastic, will our own crap come out pre-bagged? That would be disgustingly convenient. (laughs) Investment that improves the world is called impact. I love that it's named after the font that appears in memes. I think every type of startup should have their own font. For on-demand apps, there's Courier for anything to do with drones, there's Ariel and Comic Sans for the criminally insane. (laughs) So no change there. Me Too and the Arab Spring have shown the power of the internet as a way to get the voices of the disempowered heard. So there's fantastic possibilities. But it's the same technology that gives us social media bubbles, fake news and opinions replacing facts. Would anthropogenic climate change be solved now if it wasn't for coal lobbyists talking up wind turbine syndrome on Facebook? I feel a bit ill. Oh, what's up? It's just whenever anyone mentions wind turbine syndrome, I get these waves of nausea. It's called wind turbine syndrome syndrome. And it's real no matter what those doctors say. Because what would they know? (laughs) (laughs) So, can startups fight the good fight? And can you make a profit? Can you be charitable without being a charity? Can you deal with the idea that knowing every dollar you earn is a dollar snatched from the mouths of future children? So now we're being engineered to eat money too? It's weird. On the other hand, if you are a rampaging capitalist, can you greenwash away your guilt with a tax-deductible donation? Like Enviro Lady Lady Macbeth, out damn carbon emissions! <laughs> well, soon we'll be chatting to some incredible guests without whom the world would be even more of a garbage fire than it is. Tonight we're looking at ideas that will make the world great again. <laughs> Thanks, Donald. But why stop at the world? This is tech. Why not aim to make the universe great again? Yeah, take it back to those days when the entire cosmos was an opaque plasma of protons and electrons with zero unemployment. But hyperinflation. I prefer to think of it as an expansionist phase of rapid growth. (laughs) Our first panellist tonight co-founded online activist superpowers GetUp and Avaz.org. The Monthly said he might be the most influential Australian in the world, which means he has, of course, left the country. Please welcome the CEO of Purpose, Jeremy Haymans. Welcome, Jeremy. Welcome, Jeremy. Great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, before I introduce our second panellist, I'm just going to have a drink out of my keep cup. (laughs) 
which by the way, she invented. Please welcome Abigail Forsyth. So before we go any further, we've got one of that startup show's patent conversation starters. Compassionate capitalism. Is it a fantasy or can profit and empathy exist side by side? Well, I think compassionate capitalism might be the only way to save capitalism. Ooh. We, we, you know, the capitalism is clearly in crisis in a bunch of ways. And so people who are trying to genuinely use business to solve the biggest problems in the world are doing something right. Um, we have no choice, I think, but to look at that um, and have this conversation we're going to have tonight. Mm. What about you, Abigail? Yeah, I would, I would second that. I mean, there's obviously people out there in the world trying to do good, and I think you need that baked into what you're doing from the very start for, mm. and, and then see where it goes. Has capitalism become so eroded that some people are arguing that maybe it should be replaced by something else, that it can't actually be saved or salvaged? What's your take? <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the alternatives are not super obvious, right? But I do think there are really exciting models, particularly like thinking about cooperative models where the workers on, in a business actually own that business. Mm. Um, one of the exciting things, I think we can now think about how technology could take those models and you could have online cooperatives, um, there's no reason, for example, why Uber needs to be owned by Travis. You could imagine an Uber co-owned by its drivers. Hmm. 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 Not sure about that one. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think that businesses need to be led and, and things need to be led, so you do need someone from whom the, the buck stops and the strategy is decided. So there's... I, I love the idea, well, You but... still have management. It's yeah. just about the distribution of ownership. Yeah. Because yeah. I agree, you still... Yeah. You need strategy, you need management. Yeah. We can talk about that all evening, and we may <laughs> actually later on, but for now, it's time to play a game called Make the World a Better Place. We're going to read out a quote, and you need to tell us if it was said by a tech business leader or a geeky guru or a spiritual figure who inspired religious zeal, a gaudy guru. But first, let's test our buzzers. Jeremy? A soothing sound. <laughs> what about you, Abigail? Fantastic. <laughs> Here is the first question. Geeky guru or gaudy guru? The quote is... We cannot change what we are not aware of, and once we are aware, we cannot help but change. Who said that? A geeky guru or a gaudy guru? Gaudy. Oh, oh. oh please. Gaudy. Gaudy. The answer is geek guru. Really? Oh, it was Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg. Wow. About to lean in. Is it true? <laughs> we are all aware that Facebook is evil, but now that we're aware of it, we cannot not help but not not change. <laughs> You're OK there? Yes. Yep, yep, yep. I think there is something in that for all of us, Ben. Mm. <laughs> now, the next quote is, know the rules well so you can break them effectively. 
Who said that? Was it a gotty guru or a geeky guru? Well, I'm just following the logic now, so it must have been a gotty guru. It <laughs> sounds like something that um, a tech bro would have said. That was said by His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama. Some people may not know that the Dalai Lama is chosen by reincarnation, which coincidentally is the only way that Travis Kalanick will ever return as CEO of Uber. <laughs> Next quote, geek guru or gotty guru? Humanity's greatest advances are not in its discoveries, but in how those discoveries are applied to reduce inequity. Geek or God? Dive in, be bold. Buzz in, buzz in. Don't have a go. <laughs> I would say, well, God, again. Okay. That is the ultimate geek, mm. Bill Gates, who I imagine ah. some people worship as a god. <laughs> the founder of Microsoft, whose foundation now improves developing world sanitation. So he went from designing crap operating systems to systems for crap operation. <laughs> Ooh, scandalous. Oh, low blow, Ben, low Sorry. blow. Next quote. Truth is not a reward for good behaviour, nor a prize for passing some tests. Is that a geek guru or a gotty guru? Hey. Geek. You reckon that's a geek? Yeah. That was a oh. gotty guru. <laughs> that was Sri Nisargadha Maharaj, an Indian sage who preached a secret doctrine about the illusion of self, which is probably why so few people follow him on Instagram. <laughs> the last thing they want to know is that a selfie is an illusion. Okay, final one, folks. Gotti guru or geeky guru? The greatest action is not conforming with the world's ways. Gotti or geeky? I'm going to try for my third Gotti oh, in a row. Okay, that was a religious <laughs> yes, person. Yes, it was. <laughs> a teacher, a Buddhist master. Buddhism may be an ancient tradition, but some of their sayings could be updated. For instance, if a tree falls in the forest and no one posts about it on Facebook, did it ever happen? Whole other question if you involve Snapchat. Absolutely. That is the end of the game and the scores have been recorded and sent to the appropriate authorities for verification and triple checking. We should have them back here by 2021. <laughs> and now it's time to pick these awesome brains to find out how we can save <laughs> the world. Bit of a tall order, I think we've got it here. Abigail, owning a cup is not exactly a new idea, <laughs> I'm going to say. How did you turn it into a world-changing movement? Uh, I'd say integrity in, in the mission of what, of what I was trying to do. So 10 years ago, everyone was drinking out of disposable cups. Mm. Maybe it was sort of a status symbol in many ways of a busy... Uh, life and through working in a cafe business, I realised they weren't weren't recyclable and thought it's, it's just so wasteful. Like mm. it's it's such a symbol of our wasteful life, and so it's it's that it is just a plastic cup, but it's that other bit. It's the brand. It's it's the mission that 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 has resulted in the success. I would say. And when we talk about the success that's resulted, what success are we looking at? How many key cups have been sold? A lot, a lot. So we're, we've got offices in um, the UK now, LA and Melbourne, and, um, yeah, they're sold all over the world. Mm. Now, Jeremy, how do you use technology to connect people for good and whose version of good are we talking about? Because that's a value system, right? Well, that's part of the challenge we have right now. You know, we have these huge technology platforms have gotten very powerful and their version of good is kind of defined by 
by whoever the, the entrepreneur is. And I think that's actually challenging. So ultimately, we need to ground technology and these platforms in a set of values. I think technology and technologists need to actually develop a deeper worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, often these Silicon Valley guys are so insular, right? And so their worldview is like innovation can change the world. The reality is innovation is not enough to change mm-hmm. the world. You have to look at what's happening in, at the level of power. Who's got power, who doesn't? So when you talk about developing a worldview, does that imply that that's something that's developed parallel alongside the product that they're developing, or is this something that should be baked in right at the start? Well, I mean, ideally it's baked in. I think the challenge is that some of the people who start these businesses don't have a perspective Mm. um, on social justice. They don't understand power and marginalisation. Because a lot of the people who start these businesses and get the VC funding look a whole lot like the VCs. They have a lot of privilege, right? So I think that's an interesting challenge. In terms of how these businesses should be built, you absolutely want to build the social mission in from the start. I think the important thing is not whether, you know... um, there's a nice CSR program wrapped mm. around a business. What really matters is the business itself. Sure. Does the core you know, economic engine of the business harm the world or benefit the world? Mm. And that's what we should be focused on. But to what extent can you anticipate that from the outset? Look at a company like Facebook. I imagine their business model, yes, to sell advertising, but two, to connect mm. people. But as a result, they've connected a lot of white nationalists and they have sold data and they have disseminated conspiracy theories. Could they have anticipated that from the start? Well, I think that the uh, yes is a shorthand. <laughs> yeah. And I think also, like, Facebook operates within a system. They raised um, billions of dollars of capital. They're now a public company. Um, they are accountable to those shareholders. So we also have to understand that Facebook um, operates within a system that pressures it to extract, extract, extract mm. from us, the people who are participating, Right. We're like the animals on a farm and Facebook is a participation farm and they're extracting all of our energy and ultimately that energy goes um, to the people who own Facebook. Mm. So making the world a better place, it's become a bit cliched now. It's, it's almost meaningless. How do we inject meaning back into a phrase that expresses something genuine again? It's a difficult question. So government's broken, religion's broken, capitalism's broken. Oh, that's cheery. But, <laughs> and, and the UN Sustainable Development Goals mention human rights once. Mm. So I think there is a broader conversation to have about ethics and human rights and, and, and what those things mean and bake them into the structures that we're... And what's the company's role in all of this? Companies are some of the most powerful economic Mm. entities Mm. in the world calling the shots. So do they have to take the lead on being agents of social change? And can they actually be trusted given that a lot of the problems in the world now are because of various companies in the first place? Yes, I'm not sure. I mean, I would say one of the things that... I mean, just in my little world. So we started off with a, with a purpose of what we were trying to do. We've worked back through our supply chain to make sure that our supply chain is sound and that's been happening all over the world with a lot of companies, fix your supply chain. And now we need to look forward. Like, what are you making and how is it being disposed of at end of life? Like, it's pretty rude for Coca-Cola, McDonald's to be making products that are just rubbish mm. and then ask us, as consumers to feel bad about how we dispose of that product mm. at end of life. So there needs to be... That is a whole piece of 
change that I think could be quite transformative, that mm. if, we're, if, if companies are responsible for the waste they create, like Facebook said they'll be solar powered by 2020. What's, what's, why have you taken so long? Mm. You, you make billions and billions of dollars. <laughs> mm. You know, the coffee companies that make, they've made billions of dollars of profit in disposable cups, why haven't they invested in the technology to make them better? Because they haven't, they haven't been held to account. I agree. And to your point about, you know, Coca-Cola or McDonald's, I mean, certainly a company like Coca-Cola, it should just get out of its core business, right? Mm. I mean, it doesn't matter how great their environmental policies are or even if they fix their supply chain. If mm. the core business is making people sick, mm. that's the core impact that Coca-Cola has on the world. And so a company like that should be trying... Um, to actually figure out how to change the fundamental yes. economic engine of the business. But do they have any incentive to, considering that their primary purpose for existence is to make money? Is it actually Coca-Cola's responsibility or is it someone else's, like governments? Well, I mean, certainly the role for government. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, what they call in America the soda tax. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to tax anything, tax, tax soda. Um, but, but no, it is also the responsibility of these businesses. They are able to shift their models. That's what businesses have done from time immemorial. You know, you see, a, you see one um, business decline, you create the next horizon of growth. And so um, that's what some fossil fuel companies are recognising by investing heavily in renewables. And, you know, there's plenty of other things that a company like Coca-Cola could be selling that people actually need and that doesn't make people sick. Now, in these traditional industries, uh, we do see the unpleasant side effects of business. We see pollution, sweatshops, all these sorts of things. But in tech businesses, there are possible unintended consequences that we don't necessarily see. How can they be addressed? Well, one thing I think we should all demand, as the people who use these platforms, that the algorithms that shape our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our political opinions are transparent to us. Mm. So we should know what that, you know, Colonel Sanders secret recipe is. We should be able to turn dials on, on our Facebook and Instagram and everything else and actually determine who do I want to hear from? What opinions do I want to be exposed to? That's the kind of thing that both we as users need to demand of these platforms and it's something the government can demand of these platforms. Mm. Abigail, when you're starting a new business, it's hard enough to do that. There are so many moving parts. There's so much stuff to do to get it up. So are we expecting a little bit too much to think that startups or new businesses can actually bake an ethos, a socially progressive ethos, into their business right from the start? No, if you're not doing that, get out of the way. Mm. You know, you've got to be solving the problem because the problems even will change. So keep cup is a solution to the problem, but we're about to become part of the problem because there are now so many reusable cups Mm. and people have so many of them. So is that the solution or the problem? So the the onus is on us now to to pivot again and go, well, how do we keep staying in front of of solving the problem? What are those conversations that you're having at the moment? Well, they're about product stewardship. They're about what happens. Do do we um, have a stream to bring the product back? Do Mm. we, you know, how do we... Big questions. So it never stops. So if you, if, if you don't like those questions at the start of your startup, <laughs> stop now because they keep coming. But it's also about those questions making you feel as a, com- as a company uncomfortable, but you should actually lean into the discomfort. Absolutely. Mm. You've got to surround yourself with people who hold you to account on your values as well. That's really important. Mm. Your impact on the environment, your impact on everything around you, you know, how do you keep up with that as the business grows? It's, it's really hard because... 
the impact of KeepCap is is by the people is by people using the product. So that's yeah. not even owned by by the business. But also using the product in the way you intended, not to buy six, but to buy <laughs> the one that you keep and don't forget and leave at your workplace and then buy three more. Yeah, well, you can have a few. That's that's still that's still work. <laughs> Now, to really move the needle on social change, some say that you need to change the very fabric of a company and how it impacts the world yep. in which it operates, which brings us to benefit corps or B corps. A lot of people might not be familiar with this vernacular. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, what are B corps and how do they work? So Purpose, the company that I started, is a B corp. Um, we're even what's called a public benefit corporation mm. in America, which is like a legal version of a B corp. And basically, B corps sign businesses up to a set of standards around um, environmental impact, around the way they treat workers, conditions, um, all the things that make a business socially responsible. And it's hard. You've got to meet those standards. Um, You've actually got to make the effort and engage with the process, which is significant. And when you've done that, you get a certification. And that certification basically says that you're a company um, that is socially responsible, that is engaged with these issues. There's still a big range of companies within that ecosystem. Um, but it is, it's a forcing mechanism for companies to think differently about their impact in the world. It was a great process when we, when we went through it. We have to go through it periodically every few years to kind of renew the, uh, the contract, in a sense, with, with the B Corp. But it's a really interesting model and um, it's something that's spread all over the world. And have we seen any tech companies become B Corps? I mean, I'm sure there are some, but it's significant that none of the famous tech companies that we would uh, you know, refer to as household names have done it. It's interesting, some um, consumer packaged goods companies have done it. You know, Ben & Jerry's, unsurprisingly, is a B Corp. But at the moment, um, Danone, which is a huge mm. um, manufacturer, is in the process of actually becoming a B Corp. Mm. So, you know, there are big companies thinking of doing this. I think it is telling that the tech companies that, um, that are so important in our lives haven't done this. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy and Abigail. A lot to think about there. That is all we have time for, so please thank our fantastic panel, Abigail and Jeremy. Until then, remember, recycle, reuse, rewind.